gotta leave your money behind you raise your hand to the sky welcome back to give me some truth we are in the booth today with clint and sill uh i'm nate and we are going to talk about the market outlook for 2022 probably touch on a few things of 2021 as well uh but before we get into any of that uh clint teased a fun fact before we hit the record button Mm. so let's uh let's wait no longer for the fun fact the fun fact is that uh, the gentleman that does our song our lead-in song yeah his name is hayward williams um that's his stage name johnny williams is his real name and uh he actually has a quite famous appearance right now in a commercial. Interesting. He is, he is doing the jingle right now currently for the Bud Light commercial. Bush Light. Bush Light. Wow. You know where you head for the mountains of Bush? Mm-hmm. Like if you've heard a recent Bush That's him. Light commercial, that is him. Wow. It's actually really good. That's interesting. Like, yeah. I was, I was like, I, I like his music, but I was just shocked one day when he posted on Instagram. Wow. And so, yeah, we've, we've got a, a famous person just... That's that's somewhat the big time at that point. I know, right? Uh, I have a fun fact that I just it just uh, occurred to me in the last twelve seconds. Sill is a wallet guy. Would you have? Would I'm you a have, wallet guy? Would you have thought of him as a wallet guy? I myself very much a wallet guy as well. Clint, not at all. Not at all. Well, I have gone back to the wallet. Oh, real? Oh, okay. I have. I have, huh. I have a wallet now. But is it? It's not a real wallet. It's like a little like. <laughs> no. See, still. So what? Look at this. My my but, wallet keeps expanding. It's uh, like a. George <laughs> I don't have the George Costanza wallet. wallet. I have the little <laughs> tiny one. I don't know. I don't know what you call that. That is That's, very Clint. It's yes. efficient. Right. Streamlined. Smart. Streamlined. <laughs> uh, and it always has very little cash in it. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, so let's jump into it. Uh, this is um, kind of the audio version and, and the video version for those that are watching. Um, offshoot of our uh, market outlook, which is a piece that we do every year uh, where we all uh, write uh, on uh, a topic that we uh, decided to kind of research and, and dive into. And Sill, being our resident CFA, if you don't know what that means, just think really, really difficult finance uh, uh, exam and, uh, um, designation, uh, still is our resident CFA. And so he tends to write about, uh, kind of what's happened or what's going to happen. Uh, and so we wanted to expand that out into a, uh, a podcast and a video podcast stands behind the camera right now. Um, so let's jump into it. So what uh, kind of first blush reactions to what you wrote? Uh, what, uh, what are your thoughts in terms of where we stand right now? Well, I wanted to write about monetary policy. And, you know, the reason for that is I I always keep circling back to that theme because I think it's the most important factor um, in markets right now. I mean, you know, what else is there to write about? You know, it's uh, we we, we live in, in, in a time where markets are dominated by what central banks are doing around the world and, and, and in the U.S., so really, I wanted to focus on that because uh, I thought it was very timely, uh, and it's it's been a great topic to write about for years. But I think it's even more interesting now as we are entering 2022, and I think we are starting to see a shift in central central bank policies in the U.S. and around the world, where we are transitioning from a very accommodative policy stance to something that 
is going to start to resemble a tightening phase as central banks start to address you know, the, the issue of inflation, right? So I wanted to just expand on that theme and, and discuss a little bit how I might see it play out in 2022. And obviously I'll be able to read the piece on it, but has the beginning of 2022, the volatility and everything that we've seen, has that changed or strengthened your thesis that you had in the piece so far? You know, I don't think it's really changed anything. Um, you know, when I wrote last year um, a piece that also had a lot of comments about central bank policies, I highlighted the fact that, you know, markets were addicted to cheap money and in particular the high growth, you know, tech stocks in the U.S. have benefited the most from um, these really, you know, easy money type policies. And so I think to see a sell-off and a correction in that space in particular at a time when, you know, tightening is beginning to materialize, I don't think that's surprising. I think I expected it. I think a lot of people expected it, in fairness. So I, I don't think it's changed my my outlook. Um, yeah, so I, I, I still anticipate generally the same trend. And, and a, a big theme in, in the piece I wrote is actually that, you know, when we talk about tightening, it was trying to put that into context. It was to say, okay, we know that they want to tighten. They say they want to tighten, but what does that actually mean? Are they really going to aggressively tighten? And What's interesting, I think, is so far the answer is is no. I mean, there the the schedule going forward in terms of tightening, it sounds scary, but if you look at it, it's not actually that aggressive. And that's really a key message in the report that I wrote. Um, you know, you have inflation numbers running at seven percent annualized. And we're talking about, what, three or four interest rate hikes potentially this year in 2022. So, and interest rates are near zero right now, so they're 25 basis points. So you're looking at adding, what, 1% maybe mm -hmm. uh, to short-term interest rates. So even if inflation numbers were cut in half, and even if they implemented four rate hikes, by the end of the year, we would still have negative real inflation-adjusted interest rates. In other words, even with half the inflation, we, inflation would still run higher than short-term interest rates. So even if we get to that point, which is not a certainty, that's the plan. We don't even know that they'll be successful in implementing that we would still not have anything that resembles a tight monetary environment. And that's why I think, you know, when I, when I wrote the piece, I highlight that even though it is a shift in the way that the policy is being delivered, because interest rates are going to go up, because there is talk about tapering. And we can talk a bit more about tapering. It, it, in practice, it is still very consistent with what we've seen over the last few years, uh, which is that the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world have this accommodative bias. They have this market-friendly bias to their thinking and their policymaking. And, and, and I think it's going to continue this year, despite all the tough talk about 
you know, tackling inflation and tightening. I think it's whether or not we see the, the big step by the Fed to go, you know, okay, we're going to go into a 50 basis point sort of thing, which might shock the market a bit, but I kind of share your sentiment. I mean, we're talking about 25 basis point increases, likely three to five of them this year. I just find it hard to believe that a, a 1% interest overall in interest rates when they're telegraphing everything. I mean, we've all seen something from the Fed since 2008, and that is they say they're going to do it and they do it. And if anything, they don't go as far as they say they're going to go. And it's a lot of tough talk. And it's just this slow movement and they've really telegraphed everything. And they used to be a lot more close to the vest, but now they're not. They're very transparent about what they're going to do, which I actually think is nice. Mm -hmm. But, you know, overall, I, I just find it hard to believe that all of a sudden, A, first of all, that this is going to, you know, be horrible for stocks if we have a 1% overall interest rate increase. I, I think I'm more concerned with inflation staying persistently high as a result of that and not taking it seriously enough. I think that's a very real risk. Um, and I think there's there's going to be a lot of, if inflation stays high, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Fed to maybe do more. Because at some point, people are going to look for someone to blame, right? Um, and, you know, over the last few years, there's been pressure on the Federal Reserve to be as accommodative as possible, support the economy because, you know, the market's selling off because COVID, because, you know, the, the unemployment is high, because, you know, uh, uh, inequalities are high, all sorts of reasons. That pressure can shift the other way just as easily, right? And so within six months, you could have a situation where, you know, the public politicians will look for people to blame, and, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve could be a target and they could be under pressure to uh, actually do more. And I think that would raise the risk of a policy mistake. Um, but yes, I, I think in my base case scenario for this year is that the Federal Reserve is going to stay behind the curve in terms of fighting, fighting inflation um, and tightening policy. So, I, you know, I think the risk of higher inflation going forward is very real, I think, of continued high inflation. I don't know that it necessarily will go up from the current 7%. I mean, that sounds a bit scary if it, if it does. But uh, that it would continue to stay relatively high, I think it's a very real risk to, uh, to markets and to investors and to people. And I think that that is the reason why, is it not, the, the increase in volatility, at least in the beginning of this year, is that uncertainty, right? In yeah. other words, it, it, we haven't dealt with that uncertainty, no. uh, you know, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018. I mean, you, you didn't have that kind of um, palpable feeling of what's going to happen by way of interest rates, inflation, right. what's the Fed actually going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is a direct result of why we're seeing the volatility that we're seeing. Yeah. And I also think that I, I don't know whether or not how the market's going to digest the interest rate increases, right? Right. Are they right. going to see it as positive? Right. So that it is going to stave off some inflation, even if we have slower growth? Or are they waiting to hear the interest rate zero forever, we're going to just let it rip? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I right. mean, that, that's, that's I, it's uncertain to me whether or not, if we saw a 50 basis point increase in a surprise, if that's going to be a huge market sell-off. Maybe TAC, I, I would say yes, right? But is that going to be a broad-based sell-off? Is it only going to affect mostly growth stocks? You know, again, interest right. rates are low. I, I just don't see this whole huge tech sell-off. I mean, it's valuation-based. You know, that's part right. of what I wrote, too. And in, in my piece, it was like, where do we go from here? Yes, we understand that tech might be overvalued, but where else are you going to go to pick up uh, value in the market? You know, and where where should you go? And, you know, 
maybe we'll see bank stocks do well in a higher interest rate environment, things like that. I think there's some areas there. I think there's always areas where you can make money in the stock market. Um, but just throwing all of tech away and saying, you know, it's overvalued. We don't want it anymore. I think that'd be a mistake. In my yeah, I think there's also uh, the, the line of thinking that the mar- that is what the market's doing right now, right? The market's already pricing in mm-hmm. what it anticipates is going to happen, right? right? So it's already, and we see this a lot in the market where, um, uh, you know, I had a conversation with, uh, with a client about this a, a couple of days ago. The market doesn't react to news. It reacts to anticipated news, right? By the time it's actually news, the market's already moved to where right. it's going to move, right? So that's the question right now. Is it already kind of dealing with the bad news of having its, you know, if you will, its candy taken away from it mm-hmm. uh, or the, the anticipation of its candy being taken away from it? Um, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I agree. I think it's trying to discount all of that uncertainty. And there's uncertainty when we talk about the, the Federal Reserve tightening policy. There's actually actually two components to it. There's short-term interest rates. That's one component. That's what we've been talking about. It's this idea of deciding on interest rate or hikes. And then there's this idea of tapering. And people may have heard the term tapering. Tapering is really this idea of slowing down QE. So slowing down quantitative easing, slowing down the pace of asset purchases by the Federal Reserve. Which right. is a stimulative act. Right? Absolutely. It injects, right. it injects right. liquidity, keeps interest rates low. And so that has more of an impact on longer dated interest rates. So bonds that mature in a 10, 15 years, um, as opposed to just the interest rate policy, which just controls short term interest rates. And, and that's going to be a big part of what the market is trying to understand going forward. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions about how the Federal Reserve can create money out of thin air, right? They mm-hmm. can literally just press a button and a trillion dollars gets created. Um, what's amazing is they can also destroy money. Just like they can create money, they can also extinguish trillions of dollars um, very easily. And so, Part of what they are going to try to do is slow down the pace of their asset purchases. And so instead of, uh, they're going to you know, look, in, instead of implementing the full 100% quantitative easing and X billion dollars worth of bonds would be bought every month, they are going to try to slow that down and maybe you know, buy 20% less, 30% less, and do it gradually over time in a way that wouldn't shock the market, wouldn't hurt the economy, and uh, would not result in a very fast reduction in the size of its balance sheet. So, so that's the plan, but there's still a lot of uncertainty there. And I think that's part of the market reaction is, you know, how quickly are they going to taper? What's it actually going to look like? And so what we know so far is that they're not actually planning to really start implementing anything until late 2022 at the earliest. They might even actually delay it until 2023. And even then, it's not like they're going to stop buying bonds entirely. What they're planning to do is um, have basically a set runoff number every month. So runoff meaning the Federal Reserve holds treasury bonds and they would allow bonds to mature 
and not reinvest that cash in the market. And so they would just have a cap on monthly runoffs and they would start allowing QE to be reduced gradually using that that mechanism. And what's interesting there, and it's also part of the reason why I, I still see this really accommodative bias to their thinking, even as they attempt to tighten, is that, you know, I mean, depending on what that cap on runoff is, um, the bottom line is they might continue to buy a huge amount of bonds every month. So it's not like they're going to stop. Um, and actually, you know, assuming that they uh, don't allow more than half of the monthly maturities to, to, to run off, uh, which is very likely, you may actually have a situation where the number of bonds or the amount of bonds that they continue to buy every month would actually still be higher than what they were buying back in 2018, for example. And that's because so much of the, the QE program was expended in 2020 in response to the, to the pandemic. So you could have this kind of crazy situation where what we call tightening in 2023 would actually be what we would have called, you know, easing in, in 2018 because they expanded their balance sheet so much that they are actually buying more bonds in 2023 um, than they were in 2018. So that really shows you that, you know, when you put things in perspective, the schedule for tightening is really not that aggressive and you're still dealing with very accommodative policymakers. I think as we as we kind of wrap this up, I, I think we want to move into or people are going to demand that we move into the idea of, okay, what do we think for 2022, right? And we hate to give predictions because it's literally like predicting what the weather is going to be a month from now, right? Who, who knows? Um, so let's stay away from the idea of kind of direct predictions, but let's move a little bit more into, into kind of where each of us sees uh, 2020 playing, or excuse me, 2022 playing out in whatever aspect you want, right? So I'll, I'll start. So my prediction for 2022 is going to be increased volatility. Um, not necessarily saying the market's going to be up, down, or sideways by the end of the year. I think that we're going to have a bumpier ride in 2022 than we've seen in the last, I'll even say the last three, four, five years. Uh, I think people need to be ready for the fact that um, you know, the market doing what it's doing now could easily whipsaw back and in, in, in February or March be screaming up just as fast as it's falling now and potentially falling again by June. I mean, we, we could literally feel this this relatively exaggerated roller coaster ride um, leaving the, the you know, the, the Dow, the S&P and the NASDAQ on December 31st being a big question mark because I think it really just depends on where we're at in the roller coaster cycle. Clint, how do you want to address that question? Yeah, I'll address it more from what I see as the biggest risks, um, the biggest headwinds and maybe the biggest tailwinds. I mean, the thing that I'm most concerned about, uh, you know, it's twofold, really. Number one, inflation staying persistently high um, and having some of the supply chain stuff actually get better and then inflation doesn't get better. I think the anticipation sure. is that, you know, we're going to see this this easing once supply chains get uh, more repaired. Um, I'm hopeful that that will be the case, but uh, I think we're still going to run at slightly higher than expected inflation. 
uh, for the year. I think the second thing is obviously that if we have another sort of variant that ends up becoming more more deadly, um, you know, the transmissibility of Omicron is very encouraging, actually. And I think that one thing that we aren't pricing in right now, a potential tailwind, is that you know, and, and Nate and I remember sharing this with clients. We said there will be this spending supernova that we've never seen in our entire lifetime once people are, are quote unquote over COVID. And I think what's happened is, is that Delta has called it, caused that to delay. And for some people, Omicron. But you can see that the left and the right is now starting to come along to the idea. I'm hearing it a lot more. I think the right was over, was over COVID a little earlier than the left side of the aisle, but the left is coming that way now. And we're saying, Hey, we got to live with this endemic thing. And I think once people get more and more comfortable with the idea of we need to live with COVID that you'll start to see travel pick up and spending pick up on more leisure activities. And it might be in a different way, but I do believe that supernova of spending has really been delayed nine months because of Mm -hmm. Delta. So I think we're going to start to see in 2022, maybe it won't start out great in the first half of the year, but I think second half of the year in 2022, we're going to see just a ton of spending and and going into 2023, a a little bit of a a tailwind there going into it. So I I don't know whether the market will do well this year, especially in the first six months, but I do anticipate that we'll see that earnings will pick up second half of the year and spending will pick up. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic for the, the second half at least of the year. Yeah, and I agree with both of you. And I think, you know, Nate, to your point, I think you, and Clint, you wrote a piece that is titled, uh, it, gets, it Gets Harder From Here, right? And, and, and I agree. I think we've been really used to very low volatility and, and pretty good conditions overall. And, and I think it gets tougher. You know, I think uh, there's inflation, of course, and then there's how policymakers react to inflation and then the heightened risk of, of a policy mistake on the back of that. So, um, yeah, I, it gets a lot tougher. Um, you know, I still see opportunities in this market and, you know, as long as, you know, interest rates remain as low as they are, um, it's difficult not to be constructive about the market overall. Um, but it, it's going to get significantly, um, tougher. And and one reminder to some of our clients after um, we've received, you know, every once in a while you get some emails sent to you like, you know, and, and generally I think Nate and I are, are, are pretty good at, at handling these, but, you know, losing 3%, people were like shocked. You're like, well, guys, <laughs> right. That's, right. that's nothing. That's yeah, a right. sneeze right now. Like mm-hmm. losing 15, 20, 25% might be a drawdown during the year. So, right. you know, we, we have to prepare for real volatility and mm-hmm. you know what, do this exercise on your own statement, take your balance and multiply it by 20%. And that's your loss. If you can tolerate that loss, that's great, but you've got to get in the mindset that you are going to be able to tolerate that loss because it might happen. And if you're not there, you need to contact us and you know, we need to work on your portfolio now rather than when you're in the midst of that loss, but we need to kind of refocus. I mean, if, you're, if your portfolio is at a million dollars right now, you can lose 200 grand very easily and you will it at some point. So you've got to kind of mentally steel yourself to that sort of notion that that's going to occur for you. I think that's a great call out. And, and I'll, we'll conclude on that. The idea that, um, you know, if you look at the last, call it five years, you can pick the time frame literally, but the last five years in the market, that's, as, that's literally as good as it gets in the market, right? I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Low volatility, you know, uh, making money in, in virtually any asset class. Um, that's what the last five years was, but you didn't see newspaper headlines saying you're in the midst of, of an incredible run in the market. You didn't see people jumping up and down. That's not how up markets work. 
Conversely, down markets, that's all we hear about. So mentally, just understand that we went through an incredible period of time. And so just because we didn't feel that way doesn't mean that that didn't happen. And, and so when you start to feel negative when the markets get the way they are now, just remember there was a tremendous run up to this point. And you know, the, these down markets are, are just a, a kind of a natural course of doing business. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this. If you have any other questions regarding uh, our talk today, We'd be happy to hear those questions. Feel free to uh, to let us know when we can respond. Um, but until the next time, we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.